Thanks for downloading or purchasing this sermon from Christchurch Forward. To find out more, visit forwardchurch.co.uk or join us on Sundays. Thank you, Penny, very much. Hello, everyone. Good to see you all. Hope you're doing well. Um, it's, been, uh, it's been nice to meet a few new people as well before the service starts. Um, uh, I'd love to welcome everyone uh, uh, to uh, my name's Matt. Uh, one of the ministers here, and uh, yeah, real pleasure to be speaking on uh, Partnership Sunday. It's uh, mostly for us as a church family, but new folk, if you're here as well today, I hope uh, you'll be encouraged uh, thinking about some core gospel uh, truths for us. Let's pray as we get into it. Our Father in heaven, please help us by your word and by the power of your spirit that we might be people who are good at waiting for our Lord Jesus to return. Please help us in that, Lord, today from this passage. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Waiting is one of the, the big themes of the Christian life, but it's also one of the hardest things to do. It's as true for the trivial as the really important waiting for the toast to pop or for the bus to arrive. We just can't wait, so we get the phone out and we scroll mindlessly. Waiting for Christmas, waiting for our birthday, waiting for the summer holidays. Little kids can't cope with the wait. Waiting for exam results, waiting for the medical test results. It feels like forever and we can't bear it. Waiting to be able to buy a house, find a new job, meet the right person. We can't understand why it's not happening sooner. It's infuriating. We wish we could do something about it. Waiting's really hard. And so it's tough for us that waiting is also a really big part of the Christian life. Think about our verse for the year from Isaiah 40. Have we got that there? Hopefully you've clocked this verse already. It's on cards around on your chairs. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. In the mornings, Pete has been teaching from that section of Isaiah. If you've not listened back to those sermons yet, you really should. It's a wonderful section of Scripture. And the message for the people at that time in in, uh, in Israel, at the time of Isaiah, was that you have to wait. Wait, knowing that you will be brought back from exile one day. Don't try and solve things for yourselves. Put all your hope in the Lord to do what he has promised. Wait, knowing that he will send a saviour. And for the Christian now, the return from exile has happened, the Savior has come, but we still have to wait. We're waiting for Jesus to come again, for salvation to be completed. And it's the same issue, will we wait trusting in God completely? But it's hard. So this Partnership Sunday, making our fresh commitment to Jesus, we're thinking about it through the context of waiting. I picked a passage from 1 Thessalonians. It's unusual for us to have these one-off sermons, uh, one-off passages like this. Uh, Normally we're working through a book of the Bible, aren't we? But the context of every passage does still matter, so I should explain 
that briefly. This is a letter to the church in Thessalonica. Uh, they're doing well. Their faith is real. They have love for one another. It's seen in action. Uh, there are some issues around holiness in the church, and there's some confusion about what happens when people die. And so at this point, Paul, who wrote the letter, has been telling them that Jesus is coming back, and so death is not the end. Those who've died, they're, they're Christian brothers and sisters who've died, they're not lost, they will rise, and they'll meet with all those who are still alive when Jesus comes back. But the obvious next question is, well, when will that be? And Paul can't give an answer, as no one knows the date. But he can say some things that give us further encouragement, even in light of the wait. So here's what he says. The return of Jesus will be a terrible surprise to the world, but a joy to Christians. We'll see that in this passage, and then we'll think about two applications. The return of Jesus will be a terrible surprise to the world, but a joy to Christians. Verse 1, now, brothers and sisters, about times and dates, we do not need to write to you, for you know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. The day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. How do you understand that expression? Lots associate it with a quiet, sneaking into your house sort of moment. Uh, And that is what I used to think. But then, just preparing this, I realized uh, it doesn't really fit with 4.16, just in the chapter before. It says there, the coming of the Lord will be with a cry of command, the voice of an archangel, and the trumpet of God blasting. There's going to be nothing quiet about the return of Jesus. No, this is about it being unexpected and terrible. A thief in the night is a horrible shock for people who are sleeping. Verse 3 confirms this. While people are saying peace and safety, destruction will come on them suddenly as labor pains on a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. They'll be thinking everything's fine. Life's going on normally and comfortably. But then disaster will come. Says it's like labor pains on a pregnant woman. You don't know when, but it's sudden and it's awful. So is the return of Jesus for many. A terrible shock. Why? Because it's Jesus rejected by many, considered nothing by many, suddenly coming back as Lord to judge the world. Like children messing around, doing something naughty, and their parents walk in. Like criminals who, mid-crime, are caught by the police. Like the spouse having an affair who didn't expect their partner back so soon. Many will be found out, and it will be a terrible shock. The Bible, from beginning to end, is clear that there will be a day of judgment. 
when we will all give an account for our lives, and we will fall short. But in the New Testament, it becomes apparent that it is Jesus who will be the judge. Christmas is over. It was a time to remember the first coming of Jesus, but don't just think of His first coming. He will come again, but then He will not come as a baby, not meek and mild, but as the judge of all. We cannot take that out of our picture of Jesus. Some try to, but that is to dissect the Word of God and leave it unrecognizable. The return of Jesus will be a terrible shock for many. Yet the point of these verses is not to scare us, it is to encourage Christians. That brings us to our perspective. The return of Jesus will be a wonderful joy for Christians. At my school, there was a lad called Anwar, and he was so popular. He was a joker, he was fun, he was kind to the less popular kids. The trouble was, he would not do any work. And he got warning after warning after warning, and then he was expelled. Now, a few months later, we had this sort of band competition at school, and, and people would form bands, and they'd play their version of a popular hit, and, and, uh, and the whole school would vote for their favorites. And during one of the performances, I remember it so clearly, uh, he got to the guitar solo in this performance, and suddenly the curtains at the back of the stage opened, and Anwar was there. And he sort of strutted out onto the stage, he was clapping, and he was dancing, and... Uh, Honestly, the school went wild. (laughs) We were whooping and cheering. We couldn't believe it. But the teachers were fuming. (laughs) Do you know, the looks on their faces. Who let him back in? I saw two of them upped and marched around the back of the stage to go and get him. I will never forget that. It was such different reactions. And maybe there's something of that here. The return of Jesus will get wildly different reactions. Some will be shocked and hate it, but Christians will be delighted. Verse 4, But you, brothers and sisters, are not in darkness, so that this day should surprise you like a thief. You are all children of the light and children of the day. We do not belong to the night or to the darkness. We are children of the light, children of the day. We're living as his followers. When he comes back, it will be okay for us. Verse 9, For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. He died for us. So that whether we are awake or asleep, we may live together with him. The return of Jesus doesn't mean judgment for us. He's already taken it for us on the cross. His return is actually when our salvation will be completed. 
We've got nothing to fear. That day will be the most wonderful day to see the Son of God, our Lord, our friend, our brother, our Savior. We'll be running to him in delight. It reminds me of those reunions for soldiers coming home from war. I'm sure you've read the accounts or seen the clips or can just imagine it. The excitement of kids seeing their dads home and safe and victorious running to them. Or wives who've been longing for their husbands so long, seeing them step off that boat and embracing them. Not a shock, but a wonderful joy. We're considering the return of Jesus. And from our point of view, as believers, it is completely different. It is wonderful. Friends, believe in this day. Look forward to this day. What stirs our hearts as Christians? Sins forgiven. Absolutely amazing. Being able to sing and pray, it's wonderful. Making a difference in our communities, it's a privilege. But the prospect of meeting Jesus will be the very best thing of all. Now, what does this mean for how we actually live? Let's turn to application. I've got two ideas from this passage. First, let's live really expecting the return of Jesus. Let's live really expecting the return of Jesus. Verse 6. So then, let us not be like others who are asleep, but let us be awake and sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk, get drunk at night. Paul's running with the language of day and night, light and darkness, and then he considers the sorts of ways that people behave in day and night. At night, people sleep, and people get drunk, and he's generalizing, isn't he? He's making a point, but what's the connection between being asleep and being drunk? It's that you're not alert to what's going on around you. You could be surprised. Rather, Christians should be awake and sober. This isn't, uh, not literally, although it is good to be sober. Drunkenness is clearly a bad thing. But you can't say we've got to be literally awake all the time. This is saying, as we wait... Stay ready, be expecting the return of Jesus. It's, uh, it's hope. Hope comes up in verse 8, just like it comes up in our verse for the year. Uh, it's not a vague hope for something which, which might happen, good weather at the picnic. It's confident hope, which is waiting expectantly for what God has promised. Verse 8, but since we belong to the day, let us be sober, putting on faith and love as a breastplate and the hope of salvation as a helmet. Paul loves using this armor language. Uh, he doesn't go as extensively as he does in his letter to the Ephesians. He just takes his three favorite concepts 
and he applies them, faith, love, and hope. There's been lots already in the letter about faith and love, but this issue of waiting for the return of Jesus is a matter of hope. Will we trust the promises of God and so wait confidently, expectantly for Jesus? Will we wear the hope of salvation as a helmet? Will we stay awake? Still, what does that actually involve in our day-to-day lives? There are the people who make the crazy claims uh, that we should quit our jobs, sell our houses, and just wait for the return of Jesus. It's coming soon. Maybe do a bit of preaching. Well, it's, it's not that, because it could still be a very long time. We still need somewhere to live, and, and it's good for us to do work. What it means is live life in a way that would be okay if he returned at any time. Have things settled with him. I guess there might be some here who are not Christians, just thinking about it all. It's great to be investigating, but please don't leave it too long. You need to come to Jesus and ask for forgiveness, settle things with him before he returns. And then stay ready. Stay alert, Christians. No one plans to give up as a Christian. But it happens. Things take over and our our faith drifts. We basically nod off. We must choose to stay alert to the spiritual realities of life. Each year around my birthday, I think of something that I really want to pray for myself for the next year. And this year it's been this, staying alert to the spiritual realities. Faith is believing what the Bible says is true, but which we cannot see. Things about God, things about the spiritual world, things about Jesus, things about heaven to come. But because we cannot see it, We're in danger of forgetting it or stopping to believe it, becoming distracted, ultimately falling asleep. I don't want that. Our life is full of distractions. We're in an age of distractions, from the little to the big. It seems our world is designed to occupy our attention. Our phone is just there all the time. An addiction that I can't resist. Why can't I wait in stillness till I get to the front of the queue? Why do I have to get my phone out? There's always something more to read or or listen to or laugh at. It's constant distraction, so we rarely think about the spiritual realities. Jesus is Lord, and he is coming back. Or the big distractions, the things competing to be our priority in life. We're focusing on the next life target. Get through these exams. Get through uni. Find a job. Or our work is consuming us. So much to do, not enough time. Or it's a project, a project with the house. Or planning a holiday. And so again, we're distracted 
We're forgetting the most important things, the spiritual things, that Jesus is Lord and he's coming back. This Partnership Sunday is a chance to snap out of it, to wake up, to make a fresh commitment to God. Let's live really expecting the return to Jesus. Let's live as if we believe it. And secondly, let's encourage one another in this. Verse 11, therefore, encourage one another and build each other up just as in fact you are doing. Friends, we are not on our own. We should be helping each other wait well. Helping each other not get distracted. Helping each other see those spiritual realities. And primarily, this means talk about it. We so often don't talk about the things that really matter. Let's have the return of Jesus come up in our conversations. When life is hard for a friend, you could say, oh, it's tough, isn't it? I can't wait for the return of Jesus when everything will be made right again. Or when someone's struggling to see the point of it all, they just can't keep going, you say, oh, keep going. Jesus is Lord. He sees and he's coming back one day. Or when someone seems to be drifting, too consumed with work or or a hobby or a relationship, would we dare say, I'm worried about you. I'm worried you're taking your eyes off Jesus. We live largely as independent people. But it's actually better to be dependent involved in each other's lives and to speak to each other and to to help each other. Do we have people like that in our lives? Well, Partnership Sunday is a day when we commit to each other. Jesus is coming back. We don't know when. We are waiting but let's wait well together. Let me pray. Our Father in heaven, we thank you so much for our Lord Jesus Christ. He is better, better than everything. He is the one who brought us salvation by his death on the cross. He's the one who's coming back to complete our salvation. Fill our hearts with such a joy and appreciation of Jesus that we might never get distracted and that we might never fall asleep. Please help us to be alert. Please help us to help each other be alert. Please help us to wait well to the end till the day, that glorious day when our Lord Jesus returns. Lord, we long for that day. Please come, Lord Jesus, come. Amen.